Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. up our Go Disciple series. I know I said a couple weeks ago I was kind of done, and uh, and then I was thinking about what do you do to follow up a great Easter, which by the way, what an incredible Easter Sunday morning. We had such a blast. Uh, the food was great. Uh, worship was awesome. Uh, I thought Pastor Jason, my, my friend, just did an incredible job. Several people came to know the Lord, so we're excited about that, and, uh, and so thank you for being a part of that. It was so, so good. Um, can we give a round of applause to all the volunteers and everybody that helped out and everything? It was uh, really good, man. The teardown was quick. It was, it was, it was good. It was good. Um, but I was starting to think about what do you do to follow up uh, that, uh, that message, and I started thinking about some of the conversations that Jesus had after he had uh, resurrected from the grave. And today, I want to begin to sow uh, some seed inside your heart about the role and the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because that is one of the significant conversations that Jesus had, and I'll show you in a few moments, with his disciples before he uh, died on the cross and was resurrected. And it was actually the last conversation that he had before he ascended about the importance and the role of the, uh, of the Holy Spirit inside of our lives. And so we're going to turn to Acts chapter 1 in a few moments. And as you go there, I've, I've got a question for you this morning. Uh, have you ever had someone around you or do you know somebody that just doesn't know how to do anything normal? Meaning everything they do, it's got to be jacked up and do something completely outrageous and crazy. Anybody have? Am I the only one who's got a friend like that? Come on, you must have, right? Yeah. Everyone's got one, right? I remember as a kid... Uh, actually, it was more than a kid. I was like a junior high, and we were camping one summer, and uh, we used to camp all the time up in Aurelia, and uh, with us was this couple, and uh, the, the husband's name was Rob, and Rob doesn't know how to do anything just normal. Everything's got to be outrageous, crazy, and whatever, and so I remember one Saturday afternoon, it was kind of, it was kind of you know, raining a little bit, and so the firewood that we had was a little uh, damp. And so for a few hours before, uh, you know, the evening, and you know what you got, it's not camping unless you have a campfire. Am I right on this? If there's no campfire, it's not camping. It's just sleeping outside and big whoop. Like, well, who cares about that, right? Like, you want a campfire, man. You want to smell, you want to smell like campfire for days. You know what I'm talking about, right? Come on, man. So, so anyways, you know, as, as junior highs, teenagers, we were excited about this campfire, but of course we're depressed because, you know, the campfire wood is, is a little damp, and so you know what that's going to be like to try to light and forget it and whatever. So we had a couple hours, but the wood still wasn't dried out by the time we got to campfire time, and so Rob says, don't worry about it. I got it. And so Rob goes over, and he gets, uh, you know, remember the, I, I think it's kerosene. Remember, like, remember, like, you know, right? The lighter fluid kind of stuff. And so, you know, when you used to have the char, remember the charcoal barbecues? Like, does a steak taste any better on a car? Like, come on, man, like charcoal barbecue. And so, anyways, he's standing over there, and we're watching him. And he is just drenching the wood in this stuff. And I'm like, yo, this is crazy. And, and he's like, all right, everybody stand back. And we're kind of already kind of a little bit back. Some of us are actually, and I was one of them, was sitting in a lawn chair just about, I don't know, five, six feet away from this thing, right? And he like flicks the match from a distance and all of a sudden, <laughs> throws this 
massive flame. It must have been about, you know, 10, 12 feet high. And so much so that he must have dripped a few times as he kind of was spraying it. All of a sudden, there were shots of fire that went out from the campfire. One went right between my legs, and I dove from, you know, I'm, listen, I am fortunate to be here. I survived campfire in 1994 or something. I don't know what it was. But anyways, you know, and, and so it went everywhere. And, of course, you know, this, this is a memory that I'll never, ever forget because it's not the norm. You know, the thing about the norm is it just kind of blends in with life, right? Like, if, if you ask me, what it, you know, what did I have, um, you know, a few weeks ago for, for, you know, Sunday dinner? I wouldn't remember. But if you ask me what I had last Sunday, oh, I could tell you. I had the Mandarin. Forget you diet for a few hours, I'll tell you right now. Right? Because it's memorable. And there's something about the norm or going outside the norm that creates a memory or dis- anything that's done in a very unusual way that keeps things alive. That, that, that it just keeps moving. It's something that is, is unique and, and, and distinct and you don't forget it. And I want you to know as we finish up this Go Disciple series that it is never and has never been the intention of Jesus that you and I would live in a normal relationship with God. And what I mean by normal, meaning normal in the way of the eyes of society or culture or even organized religion. There's nowhere you're going to find in Scripture where Jesus says, hey, excel in a religious relationship. In fact, if anything, Jesus challenged that all the way along in his three years of ministry. He challenged that thought. If anything, he doesn't want you to have the surface-level relationship, the one that kind of blends in and it's just kind of there. Yeah, I go to church on Sunday because I'm supposed to. I'm a good person or whatever. When he knows that there is so much more to be had. And part of, of giving you and I the life that he intended comes through the relationship that you and I have with this Holy Spirit. And this was a conversation that Jesus spent much of his time with his disciples on. John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. He bookends the whole conversation with his disciples, teaching them some final things before they lead up to the cross. And he made it very clear, there's the, there's the Holy Spirit is coming. And guys, I'm telling you, I've got to go in order for the Holy Spirit to come. And you are going to do, when he comes upon you, you're going to do, it, it's interesting, Jesus said, you will do greater things than I've done. That's kind of crazy to think about, right? You'll do greater things that I've done. And really what that word means is that you will do exponentially more than what I've accomplished in my three years. Why? Because now you're being empowered by the Spirit, which Jesus operated under the power of the Holy Spirit while he was in his earthly ministry. But, 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 but what he's talking about is exponential is because now it's not just one person doing miracles. And we will see that post-resurrection, post the moment of, of the day of Pentecost, you see these ordinary, untrained, unschooled men... They had no right to lead a revolution, but they did, a spiritual revolution. And the very things that they couldn't do when Jesus was teaching them, they were able to do after they were baptized in the Spirit of God. Now, all of a sudden, they were able to do miracles. All of a sudden, now they were able to deliver people from evil spirits. All these different things that they could not do, that they failed to do prior to this moment... In fact, Jesus said, listen, and, and he, he goes into a really broad conversation, to be honest with you, about the Holy Spirit. And he was just laying a foundation. And that's my heart for today. 
is to whet your appetite, to lay a foundation today. Because I understand that inside this room, some of us are coming from some denominations and backgrounds that this isn't like a normal conversation. We don't normally talk about the Holy Spirit, whereas for me, I'm fourth generation Pentecostal. I grew up on this. You know, it's like growing up on homemade bread or something like that, or your, your grandma's cookies. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm just immersed in all of this because that's been a part of my tradition and heritage. And not just my tradition and heritage, it's, it is what, I mean, you, you saw it today, you actually saw evidence today of one of the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, being shared with you in a very normal manner. Just, just here it is, and this is the word of the Lord, and this is what God showed me. Those are gifts of the Spirit being used. And I've functioned over the last 20 plus years in ministry under that same power and that same influence. But the strokes that Jesus paints with are a little broader because he not only talks about that and the power that will come upon them and their ability to do great things, but he talks about the personal transformation and the role of the Holy Spirit in developing you so that you and I can become like Jesus. And I'll show you that in some scripture today. But regardless of who you are or where you come from, the language in scripture is very clear to Jesus the, the role of the Holy Spirit is absolutely critical, absolutely you know, crucial to your life, your faith, your development as a believer. Everything that God has intended for your life is now going to come through that relationship. And that relationship with the Holy Spirit, by the way, is going to keep pointing you back to Jesus. That's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to keep teaching you about Jesus, to continue to shape your life and my life to be like him. In fact, one of the last conversations that Jesus had, you know, we talk about last words, right? Have you ever been with somebody, you know, whether they're leaving somewhere, they have, they're not going to see you for a few months, or, you know, maybe you're a parent and, and, you know, you're about to leave your kids home for the first time, and, you know, you're running through a list of things. And why do you run through those lists of things? Because it's absolutely critical. My kids need to know. Do not turn on the oven, or make sure the door is locked, or make sure you feed the dog. I don't know how many times I've said that to my kids, and come home at 9 o'clock. Did you guys feed the dog? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, so now here's the poor dog over in the corner, like, ready to die. You know, like, you know what I mean? Well, maybe not so bad, but, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm going to make it a little extreme. But anyways. And you say last words because they're important. So here's Jesus in this moment of, uh, in Acts, and he is resurrected. He's had his conversations and meeting with them and, and encountering them, and they realize, yeah, it's Jesus and all this good stuff. And scholars believe for the next few days, Jesus spent just sitting there talking to them and teaching them and all these different things. And one of the last conversations is recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 4 onward, just before he ascends into heaven. Last words. And I want you to capture that today because anytime someone gives you last words it's because it's absolutely critical that you remember them this is the last thought I want to leave with you guys hey Peter hey James guys I want to I, I want to share with you some thoughts before I go and this is what he says listen to this Acts chapter 1 verse Four, it says this, and on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command. He said, do not leave, meaning don't depart. Don't, don't, don't separate yourself, meaning, you know, when you look at the Greek in this, 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 this Greek term, you see, like, it's about creating distance. He said, listen, and I know he's talking physically here, but I want to suggest to you, 
that what God laid on my heart is something a little bit deeper. And I know Jesus meant the physical distance, but, but in my heart when I read this, I often hear the Holy Spirit speak to me about not leaving or walking away from something that is so valuable and so critical to my walk, which is the role of the Holy Spirit. And he says this, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem. Guys, I want you to stay focused. I don't want you to, I don't want you to leave this town. I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to go back. Because remember, after you know, Jesus had died on the cross, remember when he found them after the resurrection, they went back to what was comfortable. They were back to the beach. They were back to fishing. They were back to living their lives like they used to, as if they never had three years with Jesus. So now Jesus is stressing with them, saying, listen, guys, I do not want you to leave Jerusalem, but instead, I want you to now wait. I love this. He says, but wait, meaning remain for the gift. I want you to highlight the gift. The gift. I want you to catch that today because it's important today. Because I want you to know that I'm not just trying to push some Pentecostal distinctive, but what I'm trying to uh, uh, whet your appetite towards is just the gift. When someone gives you a gift... Usually it's because they want to bless you. Usually it's because they want to give you something that would be so valuable to you that, that they just can't wait to give you, like we did with Megan. I couldn't wait to give her this gift today. You know? In the same way, the Lord says, I don't, Jesus says, listen, guys, if there's one thing I want you to do, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Again, they they still haven't quite got it yet. They're still thinking there's a chance. There's a chance, Jesus, that you're still going to be this earthly king, this physical king. You're going to establish, you know, this, this, this Israelite kingdom. Like, you're going to bring us back to a place of honor. God, you're, you're, Jesus, you're going to do this again. And, and notice what Jesus does. Jesus kind of skips over this and pulls him right back to the conversation that he started with. He says, listen, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But, hey guys, that's not even important. But, here, here's what is important. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And just a side note, by the way, remember when Jesus stood on the, and this was the scripture that we used at the beginning of this series in Matthew. Where Jesus stood on that mountain with them and said, now go, and as you go, make disciples. Teaching them to obey everything that I've ever taught you, and I will be with you Till the end. But he's getting ready to leave. How is he with us? By his spirit. And you know, I, as I look at this, and, I, and it grabs my heart, and I, and, and I love this, this idea of, of Jesus. He, he creates this tension. He goes, I don't want you to depart, and yet I want you to wait. And really the word wait for me is this idea of pursuit. Let me explain it this way, because you don't necessarily get the word pursuit from the word wait, because often when we think about waiting, we're in one position and we stay, stay, we, like we stay still. 
But let me, let me look at it this way. If I wanted a new iPhone, you know, I, I, I might, you know, Cora and them got brand new iPhones and I'm kind of waiting and I don't know why I'm waiting. Part of it is because I have 128 gigs and I don't want to give it up. But anyways, but you know what I mean? Like I don't want to give that up. But if I wanted to wait, and you know what it's like with Apple or any other phone, like every year there's a new one coming out and whatever. So let's just say you decide I'm going to wait for iPhone 356. You're actually not waiting, you're pursuing. Because you are choosing to wait out 355, 354, 353, because you can't wait to get to 356. And what I think Jesus was saying was, listen, what's critical now, guys, is that as I leave, I need you to wait, and I want you to pursue this relationship with the Holy Spirit for a number of reasons, because this is, it's an incredible gift. It's an incredible gift. And my question to you this morning, regardless of your background, let me ask you this question. Are you departing on the relationship with the Holy Spirit, or are you waiting and pursuing the relationship with the Holy Spirit? And it's not a question of getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's actually a question of allowing more. You know, in the same way that the scripture says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks, right? We have this phrase among charismatics and evangelicals and Pentecostals. There's this phrase that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will never force himself, just like Jesus wouldn't force himself on you. He just says, hey, listen, I stand at the door and I knock, and I wait for you to open the door. In the same way, Jesus said, listen, there's a gift that's coming, guys. But in order to get it, I need you to wait for it. I need you to pursue, but I, can't, I don't want you to leave. Because if you leave, you're going to miss out on the most critical thing. And it's the life change and the transformation and the empowerment that took place in their lives. They were dramatically different people. Who not only loved Jesus, but now they are being changed and transformed to be like Christ. And now they're also being empowered by the Spirit to do things that they could never do in the natural. That's going to impact the world around them. That we here today, 2000, over 2,000 years, centuries later, are still being empowered. And still being changed and transformed. And, and again, not to highlight, because I'm sure Marcel is probably tired of me doing this, but... But it's things like Marcel going into a mall or going into an apartment building and, and, and saying, hey, can I pray with you? And seeing people get physically healed right there in that moment. That is a gift of the Spirit of God. Something that you cannot do in the natural on your own, but only God can do. Love that. What an incredible gift. And the heart of this pastor, your pastor, if you're a guest today, just adopt me for a few moments, okay? Like... My heart, my passion for community church, for you as an individual, is to come into this deep relationship with the Holy Spirit. And part of that is because of the transformation that takes place inside of your life. I want to show you some scriptures today that, that, that bring that out in this moment. I love, um, you know, because Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15, and I won't spend a lot of time on this, but it says this. I mean, here's, again, there's the challenge of one of the apostles. He said, listen, be very careful then how you live. Not as the unwise, but as the wise. But making every opportunity because the days are evil. He says, man, our world is messed up. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This is his will. He said, don't be drunk on wine. What Jesus was trying to point out here was, hey, 
that wine has the ability to influence you. But what I want to give to you that will influence you far greater is the spirit. Listen to this. He goes on to say this. Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. It means you can't control it. And you will do things that you wouldn't normally do. See that? But instead, be filled. That word filled is continuously replenished by the Spirit. I love what John Piper says. I think I have it up on the screen. John Piper says, when you're immersed in something, it touches you everywhere. And when we talk about the relationship with the Holy Spirit, we're talking about it being immersed, and here's why. The personal transformation, because let me tell you something. We talked last week about how sin has distanced us from God. It's not just that sin has distanced us from God. Sin has an impact on our lives, our perception, our attitudes. Our, and it's, and it, it, listen, the word for sin is actually marred. It actually mars the image of God inside your life, the very thing that God intended you and I to be like in the way of Christ. That's all been marred because of sin. And so the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to transform our lives. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. This is the amplified version. I love this. And, and, it's, and it's on the, the cusp of, of um, this conversation about once were. You know, it's a famous phrase that you'll see in the New Testament where they'll refer to how they used to live. And they, this is who you once were. And he talked about how some of them were, you know, just in their day, they talked about culturally some of the things that, uh, that would have been absolute sinful kind of lives and whatever. And he says, and some of you, uh, such were some of you before you believed. But when you believed, you were washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. You were sanctified, meaning you were set apart for God and made holy. And you were justified, declared free of guilt. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of our God. And I love the brackets here. The source of the believer's new life and changed behavior. Transformation. In fact, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 to 18 says this. For the Lord is the Spirit and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect now the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him. And we are being changed into his glorious image. The, the Greek term here that is being used, I believe, is metamorphu, which is this idea of transformation. It's like, it's like taking clay. You know, it's a reference to even the Old Testament where the, claw, the, the potter and the clay and the shaping of something. Listen, your relationship with the Holy Spirit is so important in that transformation because the Holy Spirit cannot change in you what you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to have access to. And the Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God. I love this. You know, let me give you another scripture. Um, and and I, I love, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 uh, to 12. And, 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 and again, you know, here's Paul talking about you know, the, the wisdom that they have and their ability to teach and how it's so different than everybody else. And he starts to explain why the wisdom is there. He doesn't rely on the fact that he is some scholar. He, in fact, he ignores that. In fact, look at Philippians chapter 3. He considered all that he ever gained as nothing in comparison to gaining Christ. And I've said this before. Paul's contemporaries looked at him and said, man, you're weird. 
How could you believe in such nonsense? You're this intelligent scholar. And he's going, listen, I'm telling you, my intelligence, my wisdom doesn't come from my worldly scholarship and my ability to learn on that level. Here's where it comes from. Listen to this. He goes, but it was, it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. This is the New Living Translation, by the way. God's deep secrets. For no one can know a person's thoughts except the man's own spirit. It's true. How many times have you said to somebody, don't tell me what I'm thinking. I know what I'm thinking. Don't put words in my mouth. Right? Because we know. We know things that nobody else knows. We know the deep secrets. And so, you know, Paul just, he's creating this, this argument with people to show them that, listen, the only one that really knows the thoughts and the heart of God is the spirit of God. But the beauty of this gift that God has given us is that this gift is given so that the deep things of God can be revealed to you and I for the purpose of life transformation and empowering. And I'll show that in a second. He said nobody can know their own thoughts except for the man's spirit. And nobody can know the thoughts of God except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit. Not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. Woo! Uh, maybe I'm just the only one excited about that, man. This is good stuff. I may have to listen to my own podcast. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love that. It's like it's not just the transformation of... My life, because sin has damaged my life, original sin has not only separated me from God, but it has led me to live a life separate from God before I come to Christ. And some of the things or activities or things that I've experienced has left a mark on my life that only God can deal with. But he chooses to do it by his spirit. And that happens at the point of salvation, by the way. And it begins to transform our understanding, and we see things through heaven's perspective, not our own anymore. Not through culture's eyes, not through, you know, my parents' eyes or my grandparents' eyes. I begin to see God and the things of God through his eyes. What an incredible gift. I mean, no wonder Jesus called it a gift that he promised. I want to give this to you. It's his last words. I want you to have this deep, deep relationship. Everything points to Jesus saying how critical and how important it is. And then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Which is a Pentecostal we believe is a second encounter with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always resonant in our lives, always changing us, always transforming us. That's right there in Scripture. But then there's this moment where we're empowered for service, where all of a sudden God gives us gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, they're all listed there. Gifts of prophecy, gifts of words of knowledge, words of wisdom, things that you and I should should never know, but God reveals it to us by His Spirit. It's empowering us for service so that we can be, you know, those witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. The gifts of the Spirit, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he said these gifts are meant to be used, in, of course, in the context of love. That's the big thing. They're, they're meant to be uh, used in the, in, in not to hurt anybody or to do anything else or to make us look like we're something cool or awesome or whatever else. 
but, but it's also meant to equip the body of Christ. But here's what God spoke to me this week as I was looking at that because I'm like, man, God, you want us to be empowered. And think about the disciples after they had had you know, that moment on the day of Pentecost and all of a sudden everyone thought they were drunk, by the way. Notice that? He's like, man, we're not drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. I know it looks like it because something's happening right now. And all of a sudden, there's this boldness that came out of the disciples that wasn't there prior to. And they spoke with boldness. And thousands came to Jesus in that moment. Something supernatural was happening that never happened before. That is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about. It's not about, again, it's not about more. This is about making more room. And it's about being open and being, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll share a quick story before we close here about that. But it's about being open to that relationship and allowing the Holy Spirit to come upon my life in a deeper way, not just in transformation. Because that happens at the moment that I get saved. But listen, even in that, I still have to be open to the Holy Spirit and allowing him access to the, the areas of my life that I don't necessarily want anybody to mess with. God spoke to me and he said, and I don't want to read this actually, because I, 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 like it just, it felt like it was a moment with me and the Lord in my office. I felt like God saying, those gifts that I give to empower my church, it's power for service to do the things in the supernatural that you cannot do in the natural that can only be explained by God. That only point to God that I've given to encourage the church, the body of Christ, listen to this. I've given those gifts to the person and to influence and impact the person because they live among a broken, hurting, and disconnected world. I influence you so that through the transformation and the empowering the baptism of his spirit so that you can go into your broken world. You can go into the hurting. You can go into the situations that are impossible and by my power do things that Jesus did. But not for your benefit, not for your glory, but for his. You know, if you saw that video of Marcel, he, he, uh, the guy says, hey, you know, he gets healed in the mall. He's like, he's like, what, what kind of power were you using there? And Marcel said, no, 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 no. There's no mystical power here. That's, that's Jesus doing this by his spirit. I take none of the glory. I'm just, I'm asking if you want prayer. We're going to pray and believe they're going to be healed. That's biblical. And Kat, if you want to come back, I, um, I really debated hard this week sharing this message because of all the backgrounds that are a part of community church. And my prayer this week, even up until the moment that I stood up here, 
I just turned around for like 10 seconds and I'm like, God, you have to lead my conversation today. Because I, I understand how trippy the whole baptism in the Holy Spirit can be and all that kind of, the transformation thing we're okay with, that's all good, we, we, we see that, but man, the whole baptism thing, that can just kind of mess with us a little bit because man, speaking in tongues and all that kind of stuff, and like I told you today, I'm not, I'm just here to lay a bit of a foundation, sow some seed. And you know, over the years, it's interesting. And the reason why I take this approach, because some people wouldn't take this approach. They would just say, hey, this is what we believe, and boom, here we go. But here's the reason why I take this approach. Because I recognize that a lot of people come into a charismatic Pentecostal environment, and what they're coming from is not necessarily the same thing. And so, you know, sometimes as Pentecostals, I'll be honest with you, sometimes as Pentecostals, because I've heard it, we act as if we, we corner the market on, you know, God. Just being honest. And the truth is there's some incredible beauty from all of the different denominations that each of you come from. I recognize that. But I also recognize that, yes, I deeply believe in the work of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I was flicking through my Bible and I totally forgot I had this. I've had this yellow sticky in my Bible for probably close to 10 years. I've never taken it off. And every time I flick to Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, it's always there to remind me, and you will, and you will. It's talking about the gift being offered. Take what is offered. Take what's being offered. And I wrote all this stuff down. I had some other scriptures there. and Because even though I grew up in it, I wanted to make sure that I understood it. What's really incredible is I've watched over the years people come and especially when we were at Calvary and I had some I had a young adult come and she said to me on a welcome Sunday she's like PC I love this church love the worship love the friendliness love the passion when you're speaking and all this kind of stuff and it's good but I gotta tell you I'm a little uh, nervous about the whole Holy Spirit thing I said, really? She's like, yeah, because, you know, I, I didn't come from that background. And I'm a little nervous. And I said, it's okay. It's all good. And I think she was expecting me to, like, defend our position. You'll never see me defend that position. You don't want to know why? Because I really believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't need to defend anything. And all I said to her was, listen, all you need to do is be open and pursue God. Because if I'm right, which I believe that I am, if I'm right, you're going to find yourself in months from now or a year from now wanting the very thing that you're kind of afraid of. And you're good with the transformation because, by the way, you're serving Jesus. Holy Spirit's already in your life. The Holy Spirit is sanctifying you. It's the process of transformation, making you like Jesus. But all the other stuff, the charismatic gifts, all that good stuff, 1 Corinthians 12, that sometimes we like to jump over, right? Freaks us out a little bit. Like I'm just... Listen, the elephant in the room, maybe for some of us in the room, it's okay. It's okay. Can I just, can I just take away that for a second? It's okay. I said, man, just watch. Just follow Jesus and watch what happens. Be open to God because, man, God has a gift for you. Anyways, six months later, 
Sunday night prayer meeting. God spoke to me and said, I want you to pray for our young adults over there. Don't worry, I'm not going to do that to you guys this morning, so it's okay. Just, just stress level. Just went, and he said, and, and he said to me, he said, I want you to pray for them because I want you, and I want you to pray specifically just the empowering of the Spirit of God. So they all line up, just like traditional Pentecostals would have you do, just line up. And uh, I started praying with them, and then I noticed this young adult was, her name's Jen. She was standing in the line. And I was kind of surprised that she stood in line because I already told her what I was praying for. And I said, Jen, are you standing here because you're ready? Like, you actually want this? And she goes, yeah. Yeah. And thank you for not pushing. Because now I'm here. you stand with me today I love this quote from Samuel Rodriguez he says this we are nothing without the Holy Spirit without the Spirit we are like Ezekiel's dry bones we are powerless hopeless broken dead and then he just shouts and if you know Samuel Rodriguez he's a Pentecostal pastor in the States and he's alive and he says breathe God so I hope today that I've just sowed a seed. My prayer is not to offend, but it is to trigger. Because I believe and I pray that the Spirit of God would come upon each and every one of you in deeper ways as you allow Him access, both in the transformation of your life, like mine, that God is wanting to day by day, moment by moment, issue by issue, make us more like Jesus. But I've got to surrender to him. And to get to a point where you're so hungry for the spirit of God that you would make yourself available and say, Holy Spirit, I want you to baptize me in power. So that I, it doesn't mean you can't witness, you can witness. But there's another level that God wants to bless you with. I believe that. So I hope you heard my heart today. I hope I don't get any angry emails. Just remember, if I do, you got to forgive me anyways, because that's just, there's no, that's, it's unconditional, man. You know, you got to do it. But let me pray for you. Do you all just, if you're just like, hey, I just want more of the Spirit of God. If you feel comfortable, would you lift your hand right now over this place? Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.